Welcome, I'm Larry Olson, and what's on your mind? Once set, it delivers your life. To change the outcomes we want, we must change the plays we're running. Join us at Mindset Playbook with real people, real talk, for real insight. Mindset Playbook is excited to announce your opportunity to become a part of the success of Mindset Playbook podcast, as well as making the listening experience even better. Please go to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and at the top of the page it says, Find a Creator, and type in Mindset Playbook Podcast. Choose how you'd like to begin, and you'll instantly become a part of the family. Larry looks forward to your participation in making all of our lives even better. Well, welcome to Mindset Playbook, where we look at the habits, attitudes, beliefs, and expectations that drive our behavior, as well as the setbacks that can either hold us back or accelerate us forward. In other words, it's the stories we tell ourselves and others that makes or breaks our companies as well as ourselves on our journey of our own unique success. That's why I have the guest today that I have. His quote says so much as to what's possible by tweaking our message. And here's his quote, people will pay for a story, but die for a narrative. Guillaume Viat is the author of Strategic Narrative, a simple method that business leaders can use to, and listen to this, to help everyone understand their business, get behind it, and believe in it. And those of you that are in business for yourself or have been dealing with businesses, there's no more power than a business that believes in itself. And it breaks through all these barriers that the Gallup polls come up with relative to how many of us are disengaged at work. And the cost is billions and billions of dollars of years uh, of a year at people staring at a computer wishing they were someplace else. But they're still getting paid for it. Now, his company, MetaHelm, guides CEOs, founders, and leadership teams of professional service firms to gain focus and traction so they build a successful business that they also love. Welcome, Guillaume, to Mindset Playbook. Larry, it's a pleasure to be here. And I have to say, when I hear you say the title of my book, I'm like, wow, who came up with that? That's a, that's a big promise. So I hope I can stand behind the promise of what's uh, <laughs> I'm sure we won't have any issues with that. You know, Guillaume, getting back to your quote I shared earlier, that people will pay for a story but die for a narrative. What's the difference between a story and a narrative? And why should anyone really care? The difference is that a story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And a narrative has a beginning, a middle, and no end. That's one of the... And I started with this technical feature between both because I want to be as practical and as concrete as possible, but there are many other differences. Uh, 
And that difference came to me as I was uh, writing my newsletter one evening and catching myself using the word story and narrative interchangeably, like most people do in businesses. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wait a minute, if there are two words, that's probably for a reason. In addition to that, uh, English is my third language. It's, it's not my, mm -hmm. you know, it's not my mother, it's not my, my initial language. So it's, it's still a foreign language for me. So I like to research words. Words have enormous importance in my life. And so I went to research on and I looked into the dictionary and saw and, and, and noticed just what everyone will see. There is in the, the, the dictionary doesn't make a difference except for one small detail that is a critical detail. A narrative carries a viewpoint. It is a way to frame your understanding of reality. And if you notice how we use the word narrative in society, when you read about economics, politics, geopolitics, we refer to something that is more like a system, like an, a, an addition, a, the compounding effect of various stories that we may have heard that shape our collective understanding about something. So a story is something that the storyteller controls. It's your ability to recount facts with a character that does something, and usually there is something happening to someone. And a narrative is formed where we have a multitude of those stories. And if you think about our topic, our focus is businesses and organizations, there is, there is a way we talk about our companies. We say, we have to tell our story. It's very common now to go to any website and, say, and see something that looks like our story. And I want to challenge that. And I want to challenge you and everybody else here in the community to think about not just one story, but all of the stories that make your business. So I think about a narrative as a system that you can understand, analyze, and obviously reshape. And that's the beauty of it. You may be, uh, through, the, through this new understanding, you may be touching ways to reorganize the system it's not really about how you tell a story and i th there is so much literature so much conversation about how we tell better stories and i think this is the wrong problem the a, a more important problem is to go through what stories are we telling and when and about who and for what reason and that is how you get to a better narrative and that's how you shape what i call Narrative power. I define narrative power as the leadership ability to defy the normal when the normal is wrong. I'll repeat this because it's really central to my definition of what a narrative is. Narrative power is your ability to defy the normal when the normal is wrong. So it's really inherently tied into how we evolve as a society, how we evolve, we evolve as a group, how we evolve as a human being, as a leader the narrative that we forge through our experiences, the way we make sense of what happens to us and the way we, we share those experiences with, with others in, in, in various ways, whether it's verbal or written and now through video or social media, or the list is very long now, all of that shapes the course of an organization. And if you're able to really understand this, this, this subtle yet massive difference between a story and a narrative, you equip yourself with 
something that is extremely powerful. You can play and influence the way you align people, how people want to contribute to a cause, how you may hire better talents, how you operate at a higher level of expertise or command more control in your sales process, and ultimately how you align with your own mission to create a business that is not a business that does well, but does also um, uh, produce impact that is valuable to uh, to our community. So that's my expanded <laughs> answer to your <clears throat> to your simple question, Larry. Well, let me, and I thank you for that. I thank you for that. And, and there was a lot in that that we can un, that we can unfold here. Mm-hmm. Let me see if if I'm on track at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I'm all about the power of vision, and mm-hmm. and I, which are not to be misunderstood by goals. I think everybody, when you talk about vision, they think goals because mm-hmm. they were brought up with goals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And to me, goals are steps that need to be met along the way to vision while acting as though now regarding vision. For example, if my company's vision is to create an environment where others can be successful mm-hmm. and, 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 and being compensated well for allowing others to be the best that they can be. And so that would, I would think that is the narrative. And there's all kinds of little stories about what takes place along the way that continue to assist us in getting closer to actualizing our narrative. And I liked what you said about uh, it has a beginning, a middle, but it doesn't have an end. And I think that that's probably where a lot of companies get stuck is they don't have a narrative. They Their company's a story and they've accomplished it. So they're done now. I like so what you're narrative yeah. me, me, A narrative to me is, that, is something greater than self, something that is, is almost, if it's bodacious enough, unattainable, but powerful enough to create the motivation and sustainability along the way. So yeah. now unpack that for me. Well, they, I, 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 I just, I'm sorry, I interrupted you because I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, you're getting it uh, perfectly right. And, and just to go one notch further and and to make it even ten, more more practical, um, a story may be a project. Like you write a story, right? And when you've when you're done writing it, you know it's complete. And then you may tell it again. You may use it again and again and again, right? But uh, uh, I see a narrative as a process it's a it's in fact in my view it is a set of practices and my my approach my 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 proprietary methodology that i call strategic narrative uh is based on a set of four disciplines and 12 practices uh, so when people come to me for uh for what you're describing you know g- getting us to a better vision for instance versus goals i I really like your 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 distinction between two between the two. Um, my duty is to make sure that people understand that this is not just a one and done project. We're not just going to hire a writer and write our story and then we'll be done and then we'll distribute it to people and that magically it will fix the company. This is not how it works. I want to make sure. Agree. Right. This, we 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 <laughs> we all wish we had this magic one, but that's not reality. Um, what instead I'm, I 
I'm trying to do is make sure that people understand this is a process. This is a, a process in which uh, you can be the facilitator as a leader, uh, but you cannot do everything on your own. This would be a mistake. You have to include and co-create the narrative with people. So the narrative is a set of, you forge a narrative through a set of practices. And one of, and it's, and I see three layers, three categories of practices. There are things that you say, which is kind of the most natural with area we think when we think about narratives like it's a communication exercise so definitely there is that but most even more importantly there is what you think <laughs> narrative power starts in your brain and in your heart it's the mindset so that's why i really wanted to have this conversation with you larry because that's your area of expertise and the third one is how you act narrative power very often develops without saying anything the way you show up in a room the decisions that you make the directions that you take how you treat people how you will engage without even saying anything mm -hmm. says everything about your narrative everything about your narrative you can see visually the narrative of an organization in their branding in where they're located in the way they greet people like it's all it's a whole bunch of details so there are three layers here what you think, what you say, and what you do. Very simple and yet complex to orchestrate. Do you have guests you'd like Larry to interview or questions you'd like him to ask? You now have the opportunity to make us even better. Please go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and join us today. Looking forward to having you be a part of this great adventure. Well, I think that sounds like what Emerson was saying when he said, who you are speaks so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. Right. Oh, that's a great quote. <laughs> right. How do we show, how are we showing up? And, it, and it's interesting how many people are, are still getting ready to show mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how many companies are getting ready to show up, but they're, but they're doing business in the meantime. Mm. And they're sending, they, unfortunately, a lot of wrong messages get sent. You know, people call themselves customer service and then they go, thank you for holding. They don't ask me how the hold was. They don't ask me, right. <laughs> is, is there anything that I can, <laughs> can make this better now that you've held for this long? It just, it just becomes idiom. It becomes words that, that, don't have any feeling or, or emotion or heart behind them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I am fascinated by the work that you do. I mean, I'd like to be a little fly in a room and, and watch you for a couple of days. I think I would learn a ton of valuable information. But one of the things I wanted to ask you, Jim, is ego can get really in the way when you're trying to do your work and you've got a leader that already has their mind made up, that already know what we're going to be doing, and I'll make sure I hire people that agree with me, and then I will overlook their shoulders, which we know is micromanagement, to make sure they're doing it my way, mm -hmm. which blocks the opportunity for new processes and new, like you said earlier before we went on air, you love teaching you know, going into the university with all these young minds, and it just really re-inspires you with all these great ideas. The question is, how do you assist 
that ego to kind of step out of the way so that individual with the ego can accomplish more than they ever would by hanging on to having to be right. Mm. The way I look at this is through, um, first of all, conversation. I like to question uh, the leaders that I work with and uh, look at how they operate from from a place of purpose like what and how do they how do they continuously explore their purpose um with their curiosity when you're really in that in that posture when you're really in that intent you accept more than other people also come to work with you to realize their purpose that the you know the, it's it's like a big giant venn diagram you know you say you are 100 people in the organization you will see 100 circles and um in the center hopefully you know most people or or everybody will share the same uh vision as you said earlier but there is always things that people want to achieve for themselves that are not necessarily closely tied to what the organization is trying to do so i try to observe um the awareness of leadership towards that so you know making sure that they don't impose their way um to look at how people want to realize their potential uh within the organization that's the first that's the first layer the second layer is um i define my work sometime as a very much as a the work of an anthropologist you know i i spend a lot of time with my clients on projects that sometimes look in appearance uh, not a, not really directly related to the outcome we're trying to achieve but actually a bit indirect because i want to make sure that they, they forget a little bit what we do but i continue to observe how they uh, manifest their narrative and then i almost like catch them off guard a little bit for their benefit right um mm -hmm. so uh, I have the example of a company I've been working with, and and uh, in fact, we are working uh, on, on breathing life through their sense of purpose as a group, and um, and how that did they had the sense of purpose when you started with them. They did, but they they thought it was off. Uh, you know, every organization has a purpose. To me, it's like they, there is a sense of purpose in everything, but maybe in that, in their case, it was dispersed. And it was not the purpose they wanted to have anymore. They they thought they were they were becoming irrelevant. They were not there. They there was no fire in their hearts anymore. Well, you know they were losing steam, and you you could tell the company was doing well financially, but they were just it didn't click. Like uh, I think the the meta for the CEO used with me is like there is no no more cement between the bricks. It's just you know it's it feels it doesn't feel cohesive, doesn't feel wow. coherent. Uh, and we were, we're kind of on a, on a autopilot mode a little too much here, and we we it doesn't feel like we're putting our we're pouring pouring our hearts into what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, so people, although as as the title of my book indicates, people would understand what the business does, and they were still kind of behind it. They didn't believe in it anymore. That was the third part that was missing missing for them, and. Um, and so I say, okay, well, let's start working on this. And then I, I ask if I could be involved also in some projects and, uh, you know, uh, go along in some meetings. And then I, be I became more and more part of the team, but still in my mind, external to the team. That's that's the benefit of being an outsider. And at some point, I would kind of uh, uh, kind of uh, remind the CEO of things that we had said in our sessions so that he could see the gap. 
uh, I did this with the leadership team, and and I ended up working with the whole, with the whole team in the you know the, the the whole company in the end. So it's it's really in being observant that you see the gap here, um, and, and that you see potential you know misalignment between, um, uh, and that's that's how you really assess you know uh, the the quality of and the strengths of a narrative. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Boy, I tell you, you are just lighting me up in a million different areas here. Uh, <laughs> you know, I I did my first vision building for an organization back in 1995, and you know, we all we it was a day and a half process. We had the organizations representing every department. They had pre work to do so that they weren't just talking for others. They had particular requests that others had, and and when we came up with our sense of purpose, yeah, we kept that in progress. We, mm -hmm. we kept that ongoing so that we really nailed it. But it's amazing the magnetism that a purpose can have for igniting within to really trigger the intrinsic motivators in an individual. Because mm -hmm. uh, most motivation is outside in, which is, boy, you better be in alignment and know exactly what that person wants. Mm -hmm. If that's ever going to work, mm -hmm. we can't make any assumptions that you're here to make money or you're here to look good in front of everyone. Uh, you, we've got to create an environment where people can articulate that. And I just, I just um, am fascinated by the evolution that you've created, and 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 I, that's why I would sometime like to fly out to Seattle and, and sit in on one of your meetings just to just to absorb um, the multitude of ways that we can unleash in a company, not only their sense of purpose, but how they want to behave with one another. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'd call those guiding principles, right? Those become yeah. their sense of values. Yep, absolutely. And so the way we'd establish those is finding out what was wrong and then if how would we need to behave where those things couldn't exist any longer Wait. instead of putting a bunch of things we need to overcome. So I'm going to throw it back to you now. Well, the, the, what you would see if you were flying the, in the room is uh, I work on four areas. So you, you would notice that, first of all, uh, and I think, I mean, you, you, you seem to completely uh, uh, align with this is that the work is not just about what's out, what's what we say outside. It's not just marketing. You know, and uh, many people think, oh yeah, our narrative has to be what we put on our website, what our marketing department produces, and so on. Um, but there are really four areas in which you can uh, do this work. The first one is uh, the leadership piece. That's the first discipline that I call visionary leadership. The sense of purpose through narrative comes from your ability to continuously uh, get in connection and rejuvenate and and activate a sense of purpose in within you as a leader. Uh, start with the internal work that you do with yourself and how you connect it with other human beings in the organizations um, and how you infuse it you know for the for the whole company. Um, there is a very powerful exercise that I have people do and that I know you you have done as well called the origin story. Uh, and I like to I like to do this at crucial moments where people feel a little bit like, you know, we could go this direction, that direction. Like, okay, well, 
we are trying to explore the future without being aware of our past. So why don't we do this exercise? It's something I, I did when I worked um, for the merger between uh, Alaska Airlines and Virgin America. And we did a, a, almost two hour sessions with all managers of both airlines. We had to do two groups because some of them had to be on, you know, still on duty. And uh, we recounted the key milestones, uh, events, the key stories that shaped the narrative of both cultures uh, way back, you know, for Alaska Airlines is a much older airline than Virgin America was. And so we did that exercise. So that's the first area is how do we inspire a vision that is grounded in our past? And how do we make sense of how we've come until here today through the decisions that we made, how we behaved, what caught our attention and how we responded to, to the series of events. The second area is what I call meaningful marketing. So much marketing is thought as throwing bait at fish, assuming that our market will respond and click and, and react if we are just better at catching people's attention. I prefer to steer my clients towards authenticity and meaning. And the way you do this is by building what I call a holistic vision, a vision for how your market, how the world, your community, whoever you serve, is going to be better off due to the existence of your of your organization. And you do this through, uh, um, and that's, that, that, that might sound a little weird here, but I ask the people that I work with to start writing and publishing, even at the, at the higher level of the company. I get googly eyes when I say, I'm like, no, we, <laughs> I have a writer, I have a department, but sometimes I also, you know, I also help solopreneurs and much smaller entities and, and they are more willing to do it because anyways, they don't have anyone to do that or they don't have a budget, but for larger entities, it sounds a little awkward uh, to them. And I get all the pushbacks that you could imagine. I'm not a good writer. I don't have time. Uh, I don't know where to start. What should I talk about? Why is it going to be approved by my PR department and so on? It's so critical in our day and age to realize that the way you can contribute to um, to meaningful marketing as a leader at the highest level in an organization is so critical, so important. Um, CEOs of, of, of really big companies um, get text and messages and direct messages about the future of the company as they are having meetings in the, in the boardroom from customers, from advocates, from influencers. So you are part of the system, whether you want it or not. And it is your duty to frame your role in that in that piece. You can get help. You can go slowly to start with, but meaningful marketing is, is the second area. So this is the kind of conversation you would hear if you were in my in my office here in Seattle, Larry. And I have I have two I have two more to cover if that's of interest. Okay, okay. so we'll get we'll get to those. Uh -huh. I wanted to ask you a question because you you said something that all of which has really impacted me, but something in particular, you, you used a, an adjective um, and the adjective was meaningful. And, you know, a lot of marketing is pain point solution, pain point solution. Um, and, and, it, it, and it always is less than inspiring. Hmm. 
And there's very few companies out there that, you know, I think, I think when you, when you have fun, you know, like with Coca-Cola or Pepsi or, or when they're doing things where everybody's having fun and they happen to have a Coke in their hand. And it's not about somebody being thrown into the pool and everybody ridiculing them. And if you don't want that to happen to you, then you need to take. Um, and, and, and so I wanted to, I, I know what my definition is of meaningful, and I'm sure the listeners understand what meaningful means to them. Articulate to us what you mean by meaningful. What I mean by meaningful is what is a priority or what is mostly relevant to both people you serve and, and you as a leader or as a team. So, I mean, my definition of what is meaningful to me, Larry, uh, might be completely different from yours, from our listeners. We all have our own definition, right? But it happens that we congregate around uh, those points of, of, of meaning, the sources of meaning, right? And so when you do that successfully, your company becomes a source of inspiration for more than just you, right? Uh, so so the, the answer is in the uh is in the 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 uh, overlap between what is meaningful to the organization and to the market in the context of marketing right uh, so what you have to do is you have to do you have to ask people first you have to stop guessing you have to stop making hypotheses you can make your your i mean uh, you know uh, some of my clients uh, want me to review some of their marketing and their feedback and like what do you think is that is that is that compelling and i'm so i'm like well to me it, it is or it is not depending on the case and i always add but that's not what, it, what that's not what's important what's i mean i am i am your advisor here oh, it turns out i also use your product or service then then that that has i'm i'm you know i'm i'm one of the data points but then you have to go ask people and you have to spend time with the constituent of the community you serve with your so market. You, try, you go out of your way to try not to lead the witness. Yes, exactly. Well, yeah, because for, for me, it's like, you know, I have to, I have to make sure that I, at the end, you know, this, I, I am not the market. I'm the facilitator of this process. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so, so it's a, uh, so what is meaningful? I don't know what is meaningful to you, Larry, and and the people you serve. You you know it's a constant it's a constant exploration. It's a process. Yeah. Um, so examples that I I think about. Uh, I'm I'm working right now with a company uh, in Seattle that uh, installs network that are a new new generation new kind of network that can really track energy consumption uh, by the minute. Whereas mm -hmm. before you had to wait for the utility bill every month to show up and realize that, oh, all your solar panel pa panels were off for two weeks and you use so much more electricity of the grid. So um, and energy consumption and production and conservation is a huge topic right now in business uh, for those large uh, multi-sites organization. So what is meaningful to their clients, my clients' clients, I mean, is to be cost effective, but also to truly walk their talk about sustainability. That is meaningful to them. It is meaningful to the people who operate those facilities to save enough money. For instance, one of their clients is um, uh, operates uh, facilities for a school district. And for him, what is meaningful is that 
at the end of the year, he can show that thanks to that system, he was able to save enough money to hire seven more teachers. Wow. wow. Right. So that is meaningful to him and therefore to my client who installs those, those systems. What is meaningful is to be in sync with those stories so that the narrative of the company is in a narrative that everybody understands, that everybody gets behind and believe in it. Like there is really this congruence between what is it that we are doing on a daily basis and what impact it has outside. Um, also, another layer here that I want to specific to that example is that um, I've taught my clients not to talk about competitors, but to talk about colleagues. Because if you're really about impacting um, the people you serve in, as you said before, in a bigger way, right? You should see all other players, competitors in your market, traditionally named competitors as ally to reach this goal. So you should see them as colleagues, not as competitors. Uh, and that was in, that was something that inspired me coming from a company called Birdsorg in the Netherlands. Um, the CEO founded this company and now it's a, it's a huge healthcare network, the biggest in the Netherlands. And the first thing he did after a few years in, in, uh, in practice is that he, he went to see his competitors to teach them how they were operating successfully because their goal was to give more autonomy to elderlies. And he was seeing in their work an impact that was much greater than just making more money. So he's like, I need to teach other players in this market so that we all achieve the same goal. And still to this day, he's a consultant for other companies to teach them how they operate. So I thought this was very inspiring to put in place. Um, maybe a little different people, maybe some of your listeners might think I'm crazy. But if you had really adopted this mentality all the way through, you will see results that just just transcend every, every other rules that you may have observed before. Wow, that's that's cutting edge. And I and what that's I mean by cutting <laughs> edge is you're getting into spirituality now. You're getting into quantum physics. You're getting into exponential growth. When we get over our own selves, which is I've got a leadership program, and that's the first principle of leadership is get over yourself. Mm -hmm. That it's not about you. It's you're more a facilitator, and 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 facilitate is to make easy. And and our job is is to is to continue to create environments. And what you're saying here, at least I digress, is so powerful that when we stop competing and start contributing, um, the law of reciprocity is is beyond tenfold. You know, it's, 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 it's exponential. And I, and I know we use that term loosely, but you're really into some heavy, powerful, wonderful, wonderful outcomes in the work that you're doing. And, um, you know, I'm really proud to, to, to be listening to you, to be um, having the opportunity to ask you questions. I appreciate your transparency and your patience, because I know you have two more pillars that you haven't haven't shared yet. Um, but uh, you know, good stuff. It, it's it's not about how do we kill the other one. You know, it's not the art of war. The Samsung. We're, you know, th those are some principles that people are almost proud to articulate. But you know, keep your 
you know, keep your friends close and keep your enemies closer. And and just to term enemy is 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 not meaningful other than in a derogatory term of creating fear. Mm-hmm. And what I see you doing is moving from scarcity to abundance. You're changing mentalities, Gail. I mean, come on. What how powerful is that? That's got to be just thrilling for you. It is thrilling and scary too. <laughs> because <laughs> it's thrilling and scary too. And you know, I I focus on 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 my on my own mission, which is to build organizations as a source of inspiration and if you can resist. I focus on what I do every day. Um, and if 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 my my approach is not perfect by any means, but it is useful. And I have a track record to that 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 I look at, I'm like, oh yeah, it actually works. <laughs> it, it actually, it actually, it not always, but it it actually does work quite quite nicely. Um, and you're spot on. I think about business as a practice of tapping into uh, infinite potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I look at this as a as to, you know you you use the word abundance. That's that's the feedback I got few times from people when they have sales calls with me and they say, wow, I felt, I didn't feel like you wanted to sell me anything. I felt like you were just giving me things and that you could, we could have carry on the whole day. And one of the, you said also changing mentalities. Um, so an, another of my Peter is authentic selling. And in the authentic selling discipline, I like to, um, I like to help everyone look at sales as giving a sample of as what it is to work with you. So my focus currently is on professional services firms. And uh, one of the really successful practices I've, I've implemented with so many of my clients is, is really this, like taking, taking the sales to an experience that is a sample of what we could um, experience together practically, uh, energetically, and also spiritually. Like how do we align on, on, on you know, on, on some core values? I'm not talking about religion here. Huh? I'm talking about spirituality, yeah. which is two different yeah. things, um, which are two different things. So, so, so yeah, it is reframing. The, the strategic narrative method is about reframing how we look at things. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, you know, by definition, I, I'm, a, I'm an immigrant to, to the United States. I came here 15 years ago. And uh, by definition, I am an outsider. And to be able to, to correctly reframe, to power, to effectively reframe thing, you have to kind of wear this mindset of the outsider and 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 have those conversations with your voices of doubts or your voice and and get get a you know change. We we say perspective. A few minutes ago, you used the terms guiding principles. Mm-hmm. Uh, guiding principles to me emerge from taking a from changing the the angle from which you look at things. Right? It's like okay, how do I look at this differently? So for me, as a French guy here in the U.S., naturally it was easier to do this work because I could blame my candor on well, I'm not from here. Like, what do you mean by this? Uh, what does this word mean? You know, and and in the beginning, because my English was not as as smooth as it is now, uh, I was authentically and candidly saying, like, can you explain this expression? Because I am not, um, I'm not from this this country. There's a lot of cultural references in in our you know U.S. business jargon that I was not. 
like uh, what is a catch 22 like you know we don't play baseball in france we mostly play soccer uh so but then i understood that this was a very powerful skill i was naturally granted to use and so i'm like oh okay let's let's be candid let's and let's teach people how to reconnect with their candor to do that reframing yeah. of their company narrative exercise and when you do this you see people kind of leave again it's so it's so refreshing to them to think that it's okay it's okay to say i don't know anymore i don't have all the questions to uh, all the answers to the questions right so well, it is powerful stuff i agree with you yeah you're you're actually creating a kindness as an environment by saying hey I'm from another country. I don't speak the language well. Be nice to me without saying that. And mm -hmm. it creates the, the interaction between others that we're here not to find fault or to place judgment, mm -hmm. but to grow and develop and become more than, be, mm -hmm. begin to actualize what we're capable of to begin with mm -hmm. when we overcome. Did you look up Apernio? my company at all the name yeah 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 i don't know the origin of your name i i'm interested in knowing why where does this come from we can't it's a hybrid that we created um to get a dot com okay um, and the aperture of a camera is how the image comes in okay and neo in latin is new so a pernio stands for a new perspective the ability to look at the same differently wonderful wonderful super powerful which is which is so in alignment with with the work that you're doing i i unfortunately um have recognized the the promise that i make to my listeners relative to time commitment mm -hmm. and what i want to do is i want to give you the opportunity it's just been lovely spending mm -hmm. time with you you've got such a nurturing spirit and and you really have figured out the answer and that's that's the answer is love the answer is to come from how do i how do i help you get what you want mm -hmm. and you are a personification of that jim it's it's a it's refreshing and a pleasure and what would you like to share with our audience who are going through a multitude of things from those that have just just really had the most wonderful experience to those that were are looking forward to having a wonderful experience. So we've got that dichotomy out there. What would you like to leave them with? And then, and importantly, how can they get in touch with you? Mm -hmm. um, I, I'd like to leave, to leave them with one of the, uh, uh, with one of the principles, you, you used the word, you know, guiding principles earlier. And I, that is still resonating with me because it's, it's really, it's really how I see, I see the work that I do. Um, I would say, you know, to build narrative power for your organization, defy the normal when the normal is wrong. Uh, you know, you have to bring in passion. And you said, you know, I, I bring it, I, the answer is love. Love and passion to me are connected, obviously. Um, you can't inspire people around you if uh, you, you come at this work with a lukewarm heart. So you have mm -hmm. to be ready to bring passion. And passion is sometimes, um, exhilarating but also sometimes painful uh, you have to be ready to take a, f a bit of risk mm -hmm. uh but again almost guarantee you will not be disappointed because through passion you find your true heart and your true relevance and the relevance of the business you're you're leading wow wow 
So how do they how do they get in contact with you? We'll have that information sure. in, in for them, but just so, those that are listening and want to follow through with you. Just type in in your browser um MetaHelm, M-E-T-A-H-E-L-M, which is just like your company, a made up made up name of two words, Meta and Helm. It was uh, before Facebook decided to become Meta. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Metahelm.com. And you will see on my website um, some public resources that I am uh, generously sharing with everyone. I have a free ebook people can download and an assessment to um, figure out immediately what is it that you're doing to create uh, narrative power or what should you be doing to create more narrative power in your organization. Well, what a what a wonderful story you shared with us, and and the narrative of why you do what you do, and 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 how much power that has on. You mentioned something about this actually works. I think in, in anyone who's in business for themselves, that's that's the that's the ultimate is having someone say this made a difference, and and it was a positive difference. Mm-hmm. And, and thank you for that. And um, I think that's what that's what keeps us in the game. And that that's what, you know, perhaps our North Star is, is, is the, you know, as Simon Sinek popularized, you know, that that why behind what we do. Yeah, and I think Simon opened up the door for this, you know, popular, but also legitimized that and said it's it's OK. And it actually what you should do. So, hey, absolutely. That's, that's a topic absolutely. of another, another episode together. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, um, I want to I want to thank you, and I want to thank all of our listeners out there. Um, <clears throat> there's so many, so much information, and the resources are unlimited, as we all know. And sometimes it's hard to get through the noise to really get into the meaning. And so we want to thank you for making the selection to to listen to Guillaume and I today and to discuss about the power of what can I do for someone that is in line with my narrative and is a story that I'm proud to articulate as I continue on my journey. And you could have, you know, and again, just, just keep this in mind. No matter where you are right now, no matter what the circumstances are, you're exactly where you need to be. And you're going to find that it's a matter of choice. You can continue to, like 95% of us do through the day, is just operate on autopilot. Our brain loves routine. All it has to do is get the routine down and it, it wants to repeat it so that we can be unencumbered. And yet, to be able to make a, a, a turn a change to to reimagine the life that we're living is a choice and thank goodness for the our frontal lobes um, we have the opportunity to do that but make sure your change is in alignment with the narrative that you have articulated what your sense of purpose is what gives you passion and if you're not doing that now doesn't mean you got to leave what you're doing. It means that you need to keep open to opportunities that allow you to start to be able to be in an environment that brings out the best in you and others. So thank you, Jim, for a wonderful, wonderful time together. And um, 
I wish you all the best, my friend. Thank you so much, Larry. Likewise, it was awesome. All right, and and, and all of you, take care. Listen up, and you'll find out who our uh, our next guest would be. And um, enjoy. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we ask that you please subscribe and share with your friends and associates. Do you have an opinion about injury lawyers? Well, Larry's next guest, Louise Scott, is a respected attorney and consultant with a difference. As they say, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. Louise not only cares about his clients, but is the owner of Bader Scott Injury Lawyers, an eight-figure firm consulting, specializing in helping legal professionals optimize and grow their practices by creating the right culture. Listen with Larry and Luis and see what opinion you end up having about injury lawyers.